right, welcome to Post-Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is Jason. Things you should know about Jason. He loves three things in this world. Automobiles, action movies, and animation. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is animated movies. Awesome. But is that an accurate portrayal? Yes. Automobiles, action movies, and animation? Yes. I also like beer and coffee, but... <laughs> it didn't alliterate well with my A's, so... I guess alcohol. There we go. Yes. And alcohol. Yes. So... I, when I met Jason, Jason was heavily into, still is heavily into animation, loves animated movies. How many times do you see The Lion King? Oh, I don't know. Five or six? At the theater, right? At the theater, yeah, okay. yeah probably. And I, I too, I, I like animation. I probably got into it a little more after meeting Jason, which uh, we met in... Uh, 94. Fall of 94, almost uh, 25 years ago. Wow. I know, it's insane. As we all did, we grew up with, you know, afternoon cartoons. We were watching, you know... Bugs Bunny and very it's weird though uh very little Disney cartoons unless they were in the theater but Warner Brothers cartoons that were at that time already 40 years old yes and then there was that wave in the 80s which we'll we'll go back to I'm just sort of cycling through of uh the Disney afternoon Disney afternoon was the best thing ever yes then I think I started I sort of faded in and out and then got into it with Batman the animated series which was probably one of the best things I had seen at the time because it was like risk taking. Yes. It didn't feel like afternoon animation, you know. Not nothing wrong with that, but it just it felt like here we're going to tell real stories with Batman. Yes. And it was like, wow, this is amazing what they're doing. And then then you had the Tiny Toons. You just had this renaissance again of cartoons, which I don't think exist now. I can I'm going to say that boldly without knowing anything. And then we'll let Jason go on that more. For you, what was what was the movie? Oh, this is it. I mean, we all grew up with Disney movies, like, for yes. the most part. We saw things in the theaters. We, uh, you know, Disney Sunday or uh, Sunday night movie. Sometimes it was animated. Sometimes it was the Apple Dumpling Gang. But what was it for you? What is it about animation? And what was the movie that was the one for you that just sort of you latched onto? Like, that you can look back on going, it was because of this. And then moving forward. Oh, it would be Secret of Nim. Okay. Uh, I saw that in, like, I think... Came out, I think, something like August 14th, is that right? Of 1982. Okay. It came out like two weeks after E.T. was released. Wow. And so that was a movie, you know, a lot of people didn't see at the time. And I didn't see a lot of movies as a kid. Oh, okay. I do remember my mom taking me to see, you know, uh, like the Disney re-releases in the theater. Mm -hmm. um, Which they did a ton of in the 80s. Yes. Like every summer was a re-release, it felt like. Oh, in yeah. The 80s. Yeah. I think that's probably about right. There probably is about one a year. No. Um, there'd be either like Bambi or mm -hmm. hell, even Song of the South had a re release in like 1986. Right. But I saw those and um, Lady and the Tramp. But Nim was the first. I don't know if it was because uh, I guess I, I would have been nine okay. when that movie came out. So I was kind of starting to put like two and two together. And that, for me, yeah, seeing that movie was just like. I was just so blown away by it and the characters, you know, and I mean, I had no idea what filmmaking was or mm -hmm. even like what animated I me. Mean, I knew what a cartoon was, but right. um, the Mrs. Brisby character just really stuck with me. And I'm still a fan, you know, huge fan of it to this day and no. probably have, you know, one of the largest collections of, yeah. <laughs> of memorabilia <laughs> there is just because I've been collecting for so long. Um, and it still holds up. It's, it's one of yes. those, almost most of the animation movies do hold up if, as long as they're not too contemporary. But yes. that one, story-wise and look, hold up really well. Yeah, and it, you know, I know, you know, it's not a perfect movie. You know, a lot of people don't like the, you know, the ending with the amulet and, 
you know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, and mm. it's different than the book, which right. is Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. But that, for me, is sort of what got me interested in animation, and um, ultimately, to the, you know, to this day. Was it because it was non-Disney? Was that it? it and it's surprising because how much you love uh, Disney animated movies and the Disney Afternoon, the one that you love the most is not Disney. Yeah, you know, I... I'm not sure if I wouldn't have even known like what the difference was. I mean, I knew I'd been to Disneyland, you know, yeah. uh, since 1977, I think right. was the first time I went. I'm not sure if I, you know, I, I, I'm sure I didn't understand like what a studio right. logo was. <laughs> well, it, no, no, exactly. But it wasn't like, because um, I, I don't know what was released that year other than maybe a re-release mm-hmm. of a Disney movie. So it wasn't like you went there and went, oh, I saw this, then I saw this Disney film and went, I like that one better because... Yeah, I think it was just the just the feel of it, and in some ways, it kind of felt like a little more adult. It's a, it's not a kids movie. It's pretty it's, dark. It's in a, and it's in a kid rapper. I believe I saw that in the theater because I remember seeing ET in the theater, and then I believe I saw Secret and Him in the theater because I we went a lot. Mm-hmm. Good thing to shut me up. Oh, two hours in the <laughs> air conditioning, but I remember I had a copy. I had a VHS of it, not like a like a pirated copy. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I don't know how I got it. But I remember I watched it a lot. And there was something I really enjoyed about the movie, too. There was just, it was just so different. But it, like with you, it wasn't like, see, that Disney bullshit, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It was just such a different feel and look of a movie. And it was, and it felt like an adult film. And I think that was it. You know, you, just, you gotta have a parent taking care of a sick kid. And then you're just like, it was just so many dark elements where most animators like, we gotta get over here. Yes. You know, and it's like, we're happy now. We're talking dogs. Like, well, it just seems so dark. Well, I think, too, a lot of the stuff that we saw at that time, um, you know, you're just kind of coming out of the, all the, you know, really bad animation of the 70s. And there's mm-hmm. things I love about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, maybe go before that, to, you know, the, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle and mm-hmm. all the Jay Ward stuff. But a lot of the stuff that we saw up until that point, and, you know, I remember, too, like Saturday morning cartoons were just kind of getting into full swing. You know, that was like starting to happen. So before that, you just kind of had a lot of like the Hanna-Barbera, you know, like yeah. Marvel cartoons, you know, Spider-Man or the Hulk, you know, because all that mm. stuff kind of came in the late 60s. And it's funny, though, because a lot of what we grew up with in the early 80s was all from the 60s. So like all our animated frame of reference was old cartoons. Yes. Which obviously still played because it's an animal getting hit in the head and that'll always play. Right. But it is funny to think there wasn't, we weren't going off in new things. We were going off stuff even our parents watched. Yeah, no, I, you know, and Looney Tunes especially, um, which, you know, I love to this day and grew up watching. And, you know, I never understood, like, why the cars, like, look so old, <laughs> you know, because I didn't understand that, that it was, oh, these are from the yeah. 40s, you know, literally, quite, you know, quite literally 40 years prior. Um, we were still watching them, and they were airing them because they didn't have anything else to air. And it was and, free. There was no probably, no one had any residuals on that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and that they were, you know, that basically they were made for an audience that basically, and to this day, anybody can watch mm-hmm. and you can appreciate. Um, but for me, I guess that's, you know, that's maybe what set Nim, you know, looking back, I guess, uh, what set Nim apart from anything else I had seen. I mean, I'm... Like, I don't know if I had seen Robin Hood yet. That came out, like, the year that we were born. That's a big favorite of mine, too. But, yeah, this one just really stuck with me. And um, I can remember getting, you know, know, getting a VHS, I think, as soon as you could get one. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever that was. Yeah. Um, Yeah, here we are almost... 40 years later, <laughs> still talking about it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, too. It, it, and that movie sort of almost builds its own, 
legacy in the way where with most Disney things, you can buy a toy. Even right. even then, even in the 80s, like you could find something related to it. There wasn't Secret Nim. You couldn't go to JCPenney's or Sears and buy the line of Secret Nim toys. No, no. There is a couple plush animals, and there is there were some uh, tie-ins, like with 31 flavors. It was either Burger King or 7-Eleven had, like, cups that you could get. You yeah. know, I mean, just very, like, basic stuff. Because um, I kind of remember that, and it, it, we were just talking about Orson Welles, this is, like, sort of Don Bluth's, you know, that this is his Citizen Kane. Right. It was his first film, Away from Disney. Um, he was basically a disgruntled Disney animator who basically said, enough with this, let's go do it our way. And then he grabbed as many people that mm-hmm. would come with him, and they got the money. And to make this little independent, which of its time is really pretty rare, there's only right. a handful of them, then we're going to go and make a movie our way. And he was going back to, you know, uh, to really the roots, not really necessarily the roots of animation, meaning like Gertie the Dinosaur or something, but when animation was a spectacle, like, you know, mm-hmm. Pinocchio or Fantasia, right. Walt Disney at his prime, mm-hmm. and trying to recapture some of that, both in terms of um, the art, you know, the art itself, the animation, mm-hmm. as well as the story. Um, when you look back on it, you, you see it, you're like, holy crap. You know? It's still, it holds up, it still looks amazing. And yeah, and that's probably because he was taking from a different style. Like, it's like, this is what I want to do. I don't want it to look, not contemporary, but it didn't, it doesn't feel old. It still feels new and fresh, but it has that, like, comfort level. Like, yeah, you're watching, it, it just it, feels right. Yeah, I mean, it's classic animation, but done in 1982. Once again, I, my animation history is not as probably well-versed as yours, but it's weird that there weren't more companies non-Disney making animated movies. Disney seemed to be the only one for the most... And, and, and if they, it is, it's very fringe. You're talking like a Fritz the Cat. You're talking, you know, the, all those fringe ones that no one talks about anymore. I would almost say Secret and M's fringe because it was independent. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... It, it is kind of a cult. And it's weird that Warner Brothers, who's basically was an animation giant like Disney didn't make more features. It was weird that we didn't have a Warner Brothers animated movie as often as we had a Disney movie. Right. They didn't choose that as a a way to go, to compete. Because they were the two... It's like, you're always going to compete with the other studio. And it's like, oh, they did Robin Hood? We're going to do this. They just sort of went, eh, we're fine. We saw that coyote thing that's paying us pretty well. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what they did is they rehat... Like, all the... You know, if you look, look back at all the Warner Brothers features... And to this day, I mean... I don't know, maybe a couple, like, modern examples, like the Teen Titans movie, like, Mm -hmm. did well. But up until that point, Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers had never had a successful feature, animated feature. None. There's not a single one. And what were they? Box office-wise, I mean, box office-wise. What are they? What were some of their releases? Well, if you're looking back, like, you know, so so we go back to, like, the 70s and the early 80s. They were taking, basically rehashing the old Warner Brothers cartoons and then adding, like, bookends around them, like with the, you know, the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So they were taking the old shorts and then adding new pieces of animation to either side of it where they're, like, on stage, you know, oh, okay. talking about what they're going to see or whatever. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but it's not a, you know, a full, like, hey, we're going to make a new movie that's awesome from scratch with Bugs Bunny. Right. That didn't exist. I mean, it doesn't exist really until, like, Space Jam, which really isn't a very good movie, but at least it was something. And, too, and that's more of almost them answering the Roger Rabbit. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, we can do a mixed 
we can do a blend, even though that's been around for a long time. But it was like, oh, we can do that. Let's right. take the characters people love and we'll make a contemporary movie. It just seems weird because I forgot about like that Bugs Bunny Roadrunner movie. But I always thought of that as just a TV thing. I never thought of it as a theatrical release. Yeah, I mean, because that's how a lot of people saw it. And if it was a theatrical release, it was a very, you know, it was probably in the theater for like two weeks or something. You know, because you still would have had like Peanuts movies. Right. Right. That would have been a big thing. Which actually, that'd be a fun podcast to do too, would be go through all the Peanuts, you know, movies. I'd rewatch all those. I haven't seen those in ages. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are really great. Getting back to Nim and Warner Brothers, basically there really wasn't anything other than other than Disney, you know, knocking out stuff. And then here was something that was different, right. you know. And do you know why Warner Brothers wasn't more aggressive in that game? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. They had, I mean, it literally took Spielberg, you know, some... 20 years later to go, hey, you guys have this whole library that you're not doing anything with. And I think you just had, you know, a bunch of like grumpy old men, you know, who didn't care and were like looking for whatever the next big thing was. And this was something that that while they grew up with, Mm -hmm. didn't think like the younger generations would be into. That's the only thing, you know, I've never heard. You know, I always wonder, too, like why there's never why has there never been a termite terrorist movie, which was. The little studio office sunset where like Chuck Jones and Fritz Freeling, you know, and Tex Avery were making all these, you know, Warner Brothers movies, you know, back in the 40s. Mm -hmm. It seems like it'd be such a cool thing to try to, you know, try to, you know, recapture and why no one's ever done a movie of that Um, kind of blows me away. You know, it's kind of the same way we can have like a Three Stooges movie or something Um, because there's so many interesting stories, you know, about that. Yeah, because they had, it's like Disney, everything was from scratch, like everything else. And then they just kept building these movies. And mm -hmm. you would have just thought with characters everyone already knew, you could make, let's just do either a big mashup movie or even Marvelize it. It's like, hey, we'll do a Bugs Bunny movie. We'll do this movie. Then maybe we'll do a movie with everyone in it. You know, it's it's weird that they never, like, and even if you take away those characters, they never even tried to really be in the game, which I think is really bizarre. Other than the, like, just their regular cartoons. Like, they weren't trying to be... In the feature, because obviously they saw that it worked. Like you see the Disney thing, and you're like, and everyone's always wants to be the next, or run on any train that's making money. You know? Yeah. They're making money, and it's like, hey guys, what do we got? Well, we either have this, or we can do this. Let's get writers. Let's make our own. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like it was almost like Disney. It's, well, Disney's doing it. Ugh, we're fine. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, there was kind of a decline, right? There's so there's two <clears throat> what are considered like golden age of animation. There's mm-hmm. like the 40s and 50s, right, is considered the golden age. Right. And then there's kind of the the rebirth of the golden age, which is basically sort of like the late 80s into like the early 90s. There's like those two periods where animation was like incredible. You know, there was this kind of like fall. I don't know, you know, what if, you know, it was because Walt Disney died, but there really was a lack of quality animation from, say, you know, it sort of breaks my heart to say this, but it's like from like 68, so not including Robin Hood, which is one of, one of my favorites, to, you know, about, you know, I don't know, the mid 80s, something like right. that. Um, and so you kind of have this dark period and it, you know, literally, I mean, Spielberg, I think pretty much single-handedly kind of brought animation back. Mm-hmm. You know, it is something that's like, oh, it's just a footnote and it's just, it's just for kids or whatever. He saw the potential of it and, you know, brought brought it all back, brought the characters that he loved as a kid and then kind of reimagined them. And that's sort of what opened the Pandora's box and everyone kind of jumped on. And now we have Toy Story 4. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, we have Toy Story 4. And that's the thing too. Like if we then jump ahead to like a Tiny Toons, in theory, that shouldn't work. Right. 
the idea it's like well we're just going to make younger versions of these characters which is always the kind of the worst thing anytime you try to age or do anything else because they tried to do that again with warner brothers yes and that just ended up going away it was like hey we're modernizing them and then they had all these like uh uh stills of everything and it's like oh this looks terrible oh right uh what was it? it's like warner brothers extreme or something like something yes yeah looney tunes extreme something like that it was like um, it had that bunch of z's in it and x's and it's like we're extreme yeah no i mean yeah there's some ridiculous stuff and you know they try and stuff fails i mean that was sort of like you were kind of coming you were at the end the renaissance was sort of over and then you were just back to you know back to making content but basically so you have this kind of like dark you know this dark time uh in animation and you're doing a lot of stuff that's the <laughs> toy centric yeah you know you're just making the cartoons just to and it's all stuff we grew up with and i love it yeah you know like the transformers movies um animated uh, yeah, the animated, you know, <laughs> versions. Um, we started getting, like, the, um, uh, you know, the anime stuff, you know, mm-hmm. early stuff like Robotech. Yeah. You know, I love that, or Voltron. Yeah. You know, that was all cool. And even before that, you know, we had all the Saturday morning stuff. My favorite, which is the, um, uh, and it's sort of almost like a footnote, but it's the Dungeons & Dragons. That was really good. I, I remember. So well done. Yeah. Uh, Paul Dini was, like, a big influence on that. He was, like, one of the head writers on mm-hmm. that, and that's why it's so good. Yeah. You know, all these, like, amazing stories and... Um, you know, the animation was, um, uh, from what I remember, it was all done in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was beautiful animation. You know, I know they put out like a box set uh, maybe 10 years ago or now or stuff. It's, you know, that show was really well done. And, you know, and it's just kind of relegated to like, oh, it's a, there's something else that was out there. You know, it never became, there were never really any toys or anything like right. that. Um, and when I hear like that theme song, I mean, it totally trans, you know, transports me right. back. I can watch, see myself, <laughs> you know, as, you know, a young kid watching that on a CRT, you know, television back in the early, you know, the early 80s. Yeah, we got kind of lucky for the most part being our age where we were getting newer cartoons. They, not all of them were great. Yes. But, and you could tell because I've heard interviews with uh, people that worked on like the He-Man and stuff like that. They go, literally, it was about selling toys. Yes. No one cared about the story. So he goes, we got away with a lot of jokes that we shouldn't have because they weren't looking at the content. They were just looking at who are you introducing this week? Yes. And it's like, how much of this character's in it? That's all they cared about. He goes, I forgot who it was that worked on it, but it was just saying, like, writing-wise, we could do almost whatever we wanted, but right. it was all about the toy. Yeah, I mean, that was um, that was uh, Paul Dini, and that was in the Kevin Smith's oh, uh, okay. Fat Man on Batman, okay. which is a great, you know, it's a great podcast. Um, you know, if you haven't heard it, you should go Yeah, the Paul Dini one is great. I think he's done a couple, right? One or yeah, two? Yeah, okay. Yeah, at least. There might even be, like, three or four. But, yeah, he really sheds insight to that whole period of history and animation and what it was like you know dealing with all of a sudden they'd like walk in and it'd be like here's this new toy we're going to release you have to incorporate it into the cartoon and be right. like, okay yeah <laughs> whatever you want <laughs> skeletor has a car why would he have a car doesn't matter we're selling a car and it's like oh boo no it's exactly you know that's exactly right we have that then we we come back it's just weird it's like we we still haven't disney still owns animation for the most part i don't think anyone else is doing anything interesting in fact they might be the last studio standing you know well yeah between we started this you know yeah i think well they're owned us now so (laughs) welcome to the disney pod um i just got a text so uh, how do you feel watching animation now because obviously uh, secret of nim is its own entity and there was a few other don bluth we'll go back to don bluth in a second he you know was doing interesting things but then with anything it's no one was giving him money to do anything yes and 
but how do you feel now watching i mean obviously there's certain ones i know uh you love zootopia i thought zootopia was fantastic probably one of the best things i've seen in a long time i thought into the spider verse was great but yes. that's it's animation but that's different from like a zootopia because i think there's like the animated movies with like the talking animals and then there's like the ones that are like people yes based and not that there's any major difference but i view spider-man into the spider-verse so differently than zootopia mm-hmm. although i think they're both very well written into the spider-verse probably the best written animated movie in a while yeah no i agree yeah i guess uh for me i've always been of the mindset i love the animal stories so much more so than the human ones mm-hmm. um or where it's got you know it's a human character and i'm uh, talking about like you know pocahontas where you got a couple like you know animated animals and then there's pocahontas in my mind it's like well if i want human characters i'll just watch a live action movie because what's the point? Like, why do we need Treasure Planet? <laughs> right? I mean... I completely forgot about Treasure Planet. Or why do we need Atlantis? You know, we didn't. And it's like, right. why do a live-action version of that? Right. Especially now, right? Or especially then. Because right. you're doing all this, you know, all this crappy stuff on green screen. Right. And just having people on stage. I mean, now it's so much better. But back then, you know, why didn't they just do it that way? Yeah, because that could have worked where... Like, if you look at Into the Spider-Verse, yes, it could be a Spider-Man movie, but it works so much better as an animated movie. Yes. But like you're saying, yeah, Treasure Planet, I didn't need that. Pocahontas could be live action. Like, yes. and, and then we can even... <laughs> I'm sure it will be at some it, point. I'm sure it's next up. They released the Mulan trailer, and that looks amazing. Yes. But that makes sense for a live action. Because honestly, other than... Yeah, Mulan was a good cartoon, a good animated movie, but you just... I, what was the big element? It's like Mushu. Was that it? Yes, the... yes. There's Eddie Murphy playing Mushu. That's so right. You see the movie, and it doesn't even feel the same. Like, I saw that trailer, and I was like, what is this for? And it was like, Mulan. It was like, oh, shit. Yeah. But like you said, I don't need Treasure Planet. I don't need Treasure Planet. I don't need that as an animated movie. And it just didn't work. Yeah, no. I mean, there's a whole, like, dark period of, of Disney um, where they even, like, shut down the animation studio here and turned it all into offices, mm-hmm. you know, for a... a forget how many years that was um it's kind of like when we were starting was when they kind of shut that down and they were you know doing all the animation you know either in france um or i think they got some stuff over in florida too you know you've got this dark period of you know home on the range and yeah. it's like brother bear which i kind of like to a certain extent but it's you know it's just an okay movie uh-huh. And it basically, it wasn't until John Laster came along and he kind of, you know, after um, Toy Story, mm-hmm. you know, and done Monsters, Inc. and all that kind of stuff, you know, I think it was Bob Iger after Eisner left, yeah. said, hey, right, <laughs> well, you, yeah, you're doing great things over here. What can you do for us at Disney? And that's, and that's yeah. totally changed everything. Well, yeah, because we, you had all the great Disney ones. Then there were just the, the middle of the road, like you're talking about. Then it was the resurgence with like uh, Little Mermaid. Yes. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh, they're back. Yes. Then the Little Mermaid. Then you had um, uh, Lion King and then Pocahontas. And you just then had the next, I would say almost until Hunchback was good, but that might have been the last one for a while. I don't remember what was after Hunchback. Yeah, even that one. I mean, that one looks beautiful. And that one's, you know, in my mind, I mean, it's not one that I revisit. I mean, I think I bought it on Laserdisc and still have it, and I haven't watched it in 25 years or something. Is it the Blood Red edition? (laughs) (laughs) It is not the Blood Red Hunchback edition. I don't know if that's the last one before there was a break, almost. I don't remember. Well, a lot of people put it as it ends. Basically, so it starts with, and then we can go back to TV, but basically it starts with uh, Little Mermaid, Mm -hmm. and then basically it ends with Lion King in a lot of people's eyes. Okay. Between those two, you have Beauty and the Beast, you have Aladdin. Those are now, you know, 
iconic movies all being remade um, all this summer. And, and all, but that's yeah, that's a whole other thing. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about that. But so yeah, that was like that was the golden age again for uh, for Disney. That was their comeback, and they they could do no wrong mm-hmm. during that period. And then you had you know basically after that you know he had Katzenberg leave, mm-hmm. and um, you know he went off to go do his own studio with DreamWorks, and you know that's a whole other a whole other thing. But it basically, you kind of have this gap of these kind of meh films. And then John Lester came back, you know, knocked it out of the park with, was was it Frozen? Was that the first one? Yeah, that was sort of the first one that came back. Maybe. Frozen, what do you mean? The first, like, anim, you know, super successful Disney animated feature, like, since The Lion King. I'd have to look. I mean, you kind of had Bolt, I guess. He kind of came, that's what it was. Okay. He kind of came on in the middle of Bolt. Mm-hmm. And that movie was pretty well received, but it wasn't like a huge hit. Right. And then once he was fully committed to doing Disney... And I'm sure there's tons of other people who you know, worked on it that can talk about it better yeah. than I can. But basically, he he's the one that said, okay, let's, let's again, go back to our roots and let's make a really great story with really great characters. The rest has been, you know, rest has right. been history. And do you think there could be another Don Bluth? Do you think people are just lazy and just, like how everything's owned by Disney? Everyone's just like, well, well Disney and Pixar have the animation down. Who cares right. now? But it's like, I feel like, where's the next Don Bluth? Like to not like secret name like blew the doors off and it made a, a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it was like changing like he did something interesting, yes. like we hadn't seen. Like it was like such a adult story in a children's rapper. Yes, but I feel like is there? Can you see like another, you know, Don Bluth coming around? Granted, it probably won't be hand drawn or anything. You still have to get studio money to do it. I just don't know. Do you foresee like? like an outsider doing something that everyone's going to latch on to. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything's possible. And I think, you know, Into the Spider-Verse is a good example. I mean, that's probably, I mean, I'm not a huge comic book guy, but that is probably the best interpretation of a comic book ever. Exactly. I mean, there's no been no other movie that took, you know, the pages of a comic book and then turned it into an, you know, into a moving pictures, picture show format. Right. You know, and so, yeah, I mean... But I think some of that, not taking anything away, because I still think it's an amazing movie, is you're already established a Spider-Man movie will do well. Mm-hmm. And an animated Spider-Man movie would probably do well. That just came down to it was a fantastically written. They they had a vision for that movie. Right. But in the sense of not a known thing. Like, Secret of Nim was a book, but it wasn't like, oh, it's the most popular children's book of all time. Right. You know, you're taking a new, sort of a new property and making it something. Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think we just saw one killed by Disney, which was Mouse Guard, right? Which I thought was going to be really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you haven't checked it out, uh, there is on YouTube. You just type in Mouse Guard. There's like an eight-minute kind of uh, preview. I guess I don't know how what else you call it, but basically, it's a director going around to their, you know, in their the you know where they were working mm-hmm. and showing all the development of this product they've been working on for the past year and a half no. at Fox. It's kind of like a sizzle reel, almost like, hey, this is what's going on. This yeah. is what to expect. Yeah, it had um, both, you know, um, you know, it wasn't complete animation, but it's like, here's, you know, what we're working on. And then, you know, here's like the little, you know, 3D models, like actual models of, you know, little village and little, you know, mouse characters. And that looked like that had so much potential and so much promise. Interesting. It was going to be interesting looking. and Yeah, it looked know. like it was going to be, you know, pretty awesome. And, and then for whatever reason, Disney canned it. Your guess is as good as mine as to why, but... 
you know, all I can think of is that maybe they have something similar in the works and they don't want two properties, but it's just like in an age of making as much content as you can and having, I understand that movie's probably going to cost a fortune. Right. And, you know, that's ultimately what they cited was like, oh, that we couldn't take the risk on it. But it's like, man, you've been in the development all that time. It's looking promising. Right. You already have all the pieces. You just have to literally finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Make it into something. You know? Yeah, and it's not like it was based on a pitch. It wasn't like the guy, oh, they picked up my movie based on my one still and my pitch. Oh, yeah, right. that just cost too much. You had development. You already knew what was going to work. Why not throw it on Disney Plus? Yeah, yeah. No, but instead we're going to get a Lady and Tramp remake, you know. Of course. <laughs> Lady and the Tramp series. <clears throat> <laughs> so how do you feel hopeful with the state of animation now? We're getting, but we're all just getting the same. I think it's just Disney. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I mean, here's the deal with it is back when, you know, going back to 1937 into Snow White, which I'm not even sure if I've honestly made it through that movie. I think I've fallen asleep just about every time right. I've watched that film. But it's 19, you have to take it for what it is. It's 1937 and it's fucking incredible. Can I say fucking in this yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look at every frame. Yeah. Is hand painted and it is gorgeous yeah you've got that multi-plane camera which they still to have to this day is sitting in the you know in the disney studio lobby right. you know i mean just so inventive and so creative that was a spectacle mm-hmm. nobody had ever seen anything like that for that length yeah and that's what disney features were for for a long time for decades and you were getting one like basically well at first it was like one every four years because that's basically how long they took to make right. but then they quickly started to figure out oh we can you know we can kind of do this faster with more people get more yeah. animators on it and so then he kind of had like one every other year which feels right to me but today because of the computer and I know they're, they're you know they're more sophisticated and you can see the you know the leaves on the trees and yeah. all of that now they're released every quarter yeah. to me, it's just not as special. It's not an event anymore, right? right. Toy Story is, has been out now for weeks. I haven't seen it yet, and I don't think you've seen it either. I have not. <laughs> and that, I think, says a lot yeah. you know, about that. I mean, it should be like, holy shit. They're Why making, haven't we seen that yet? They're making a Toy Story again. I can't wait to see this because, I mean, the last three have been incredible. But I don't know. I'm just not in, in that much of a hurry to go. I didn't see Wreck-It Ralph either. Right. And it's not because I didn't really want to. It's just I didn't. Maybe it's because I'm older now. I don't know. But it, we're so inundated now that, and I, the box office is proving me wrong because they're making a right. billion dollars. For me, it's got to be something unique. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Ratatouille came out, that just like blew my mind. I mean, it's that, it's like almost the perfect film. Right. You know, between Incredibles, you know, the first Toy Story and Up, those movies and Ratatouille. You know, for me, or like, you know, some of Pixar's like their, their finest. Their renaissance of storytelling and visuals. Yeah, they're practically, they're pretty much perfect movies. Now we haven't seen. Well, yeah, because we got into the uh, sequel game. Yeah, we're all in the sequels and, you know, um, can't name names. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've heard that there is some, like, dissension from within Pixar of like, hey, you know, I've basically, it's been my dream to get here and to make, I mean, you guys are basically, at least, you know, throughout the 2000s. Mm-hmm you know, late 90s into 2000s, were basically like the, the Michelangelo's of their time. That's how I look at it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like every time they're making a movie, it was like painting a different Sistine Chapel. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, we're just making Cars 3 yeah. or Planes 2. I, don't, I mean, I kind of like Cars 3, but I'd rather have, you know, some something original. Right. 
That's and what was so great about the straight-to-video. They could put something new in the theater, but you could go rent Cars 3. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that's probably... And, you know, I think maybe Disney Plus is going to... Is going to help alleviate some, you know, some of that. And yeah. I think, look, I mean, make all the content you want, and then get it out there for streaming. So that if you want to watch it, great. If you want to click on that button, great. But the movies that are released in, you know, released theatrically, it should be an event. And if it's not an event, then it's just content. There right? you go. That I, that never be said better than that. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know about Toy Story Four. I couldn't tell you that. But they all, all the animated movies are good. You just walk out, and go, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, not, uh, yes, very varying degrees of good. I mean, except good dinosaur, um, <laughs> that deserves something else. But uh, it, but then it's like I think what it is is because they own the market. The only other things coming out, it's like oh, Wonder Park, right? Like who's Wonder? What is Wonder Park? And then you see the trailer, like holy shit, this is a real movie. Yeah, um... which I don't know. I haven't seen Wonder Park. No one else did either. But <laughs> <laughs> there's just no competition for them to test themselves more. Right. There's almost nothing for them to, ah, Jesus, look what they did. Right. We need to push ourselves. And I think they do internally. I mean, if we talk to one of the writers or someone making it, it'd be like, fuck you. We're doing everything we can, but you're also still churning out just sequels. And and yeah, I mean, with the exception of Disney, right? I mean, their last, uh, you know, the last like five or six years, you know, with Moana, which was excellent. Yeah. Zootopia, also excellent done by the same animation crew. You know, even uh, Frozen, you know, they've been doing, you know, Wreck-It Ralph, too. Yeah. I love all, all those. I thought were those are all excellent. But when you have all these different companies, you know, the market just becomes, like, oversaturated. I feel like about that, it was probably around, like, I don't know, the mid-2000s. And I think the first one, I sort of felt like that. Because th- I'm pretty sure I saw every CG movie that mm. came out. Right. Up until, I think the first one that I was like, eh, was Ant Bully. Oh, it's kind of a forgotten. Yeah, it, it was you know like Tom Hanks. I think does the voice and yeah. I was like, you know, they're really making too many of these things. You know, when you had multiple companies, you know, DreamWorks was trying to get into the game, and they had a whole you know slew of movies, um, Shark Tale, and but yeah. all theirs were just. I think what it was for me is everyone else, which Disney does now, which is sad, but everyone else that was making animated movies pitched the voices, and I always kind of hated that mm-hmm. because it was. See Will Smith and Shark Tale. No, I'm not seeing Will Smith. I'm hearing Will Smith and Shark Tale, and he's not in Shark Tale. Right. It's his voice, and I get it. That gets people to the theater, and you're going to get that Chinese dollar if you put Will Smith's name on the poster. Right. And I don't mind that their names are on the poster, but if you're just trying to sell to me the names in the movie, that means you don't have a movie to sell to me. Right. You're pitching me names. Right. I think Treasure Planet is probably the perfect example of that. It's like, oh, hey, look, Brad Pitt's doing a Disney movie for some reason. I feel like... If that's your big pitch to your shark movie, I don't care about your shark movie. Yes. You know, I, I, I'm i sure it's probably pretty good. And honestly, I don't even know if I've liked any DreamWorks cartoons animated. I'm sure they're all okay. I'm sure I've seen some. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, Shrek was okay. Yeah, yeah. Shrek was just, you know, was, was decent. Shrek 2 is actually probably better than the first one. But you know, none of these films, the question is like, can you revisit it? You know, and right. most of them I never have. Got out DreamWorks, that could be its own, you know, its own pod. There's one, there's one that I really like, and that's uh, Over the Hedge, which is taken you know, from the comic. I forgot about that. And that one, you know, made like $5 in the theater. I um, saw that on Netflix, and I, I was like, how, didn't th- how come this didn't make $10? I mean, it was really good, but it was, <laughs> it was a surprise that it didn't yeah, do better. Yeah, that one's so well done and so much fun. And, you know, it's just kind of... 
uh, like kind of a footnote. Yeah, this whole uh, Ice Age, which are all the Sony, you know. Those, the first one was good, and then they all became the same. Because I think we saw one of the last ones. I don't remember. Right. Didn't we? Get, we went to a screening of one. Yeah, I think we saw the, la- the fifth one. The and it was the only interesting spot was all of a sudden he was in space. And it was like, <laughs> what is going on in this film? This might be my favorite movie. Because yeah. it just got really almost Monty Python-esque. Where yeah, like, that, that film's like a series of vignettes and it doesn't really work. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like the, the little creatures in space. And we're like, how did we get into space? Yeah. And it was bizarre. But that was the only interesting part. The rest of the movie, I just remember, I think there was some walking, Ray Romano, ah, scoops. <laughs> I think, and, and it comes down to what you're saying. I think they're just released so much. Like Zootopia should have been just the movie of the year. Yeah. It was great. And it, yeah, it made its 1.2 billion. And yes. you're not yeah, going to ever, is... it's just that then all of a sudden it's like, all right, here's Toy Story 3. Here's this. And it's like, all right. And maybe that's why the others can't just compete. Maybe that's why DreamWorks is like, look, I'm not going to throw another one in the crowded thing because everyone's going to trust Pixar over DreamWorks. Right. Yeah, I know, remember, um, I actually heard this from Peter Donan, who was the son of uh, Stanley Donan, who directed uh, Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. And Peter Donan went to become like a big visual effects supervisor. And uh, he actually worked on um, Anastasia okay. with um, uh, which is a Don Bluth film. And it's actually one of his better like later I ones. Like, I like Anastasia. Um, it's not It's not my favorite, but it looks amazing. You know, it's kind of funny. We we're just talking about Orson Welles and how... Um, their career paths are almost identical, <laughs> which is, is sort of funny. It'd be fun to do like a graph. But basically, uh, when they were testing Anastasia, they put at the head of it a Disney logo oh. in front of the audience. Okay. And their score went up 10 points. The same movie, just adding the logo. So they, they did two different screenings. Yes. One with a Disney logo and one with like a Bluth logo. Yes. That's or with no logo or whatever. Right. And it said all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, it's the Disney castle. I'm in. Wow. And people I, thought it was, you know, the next Disney princess movie, and that elevated the score 10 points just by putting the Disney logo on, just because the Disney has that, you know, that kind of cachet. That is fascinating. Yeah. That itself, I want that movie. I mind, want, this is like 1994, right. I think is when Anastasia came out. You know, so that really says something about, you know, how Disney at that time was firing on all, you know, all eight cylinders. Right. Just knocking everything out of the park. And even a movie that wasn't a Disney movie... <laughs> benefited from that you put that on uh like shark tail this is amazing yeah that will smith is a genius <laughs> yeah look i mean um going back to don bluth i mean after seeker dim you know he did like the what do you call the land before time movies you know which the first one's like pretty first good. One's good um american tale he did american tale and then after that it kind of starts to go off the rails right. like a little bit you know i mean just like pebble and the penguin and oh, you geez. know which <laughs> These are, these are movies like people most people haven't even heard of and um, it's like and you saying them it's like oh right yeah but yeah like so we'll actually close with don bluth which is kind of fascinating i with what he was trying to pitch last was the dragon slayer movie right? yes so if anyone knows uh, tell them about dragon slayer wow um, uh, not the movie the game yes the game i'm one of the few lucky people that has an original dragon slayer i've had it since 1986 yeah, we bought it in, uh, at the time, all the arcades were failing, and we, my dad saw a, uh, a little newspaper ad uh, in the local paper saying, hey, you know, this arcade's going out of business and we're selling our games. And uh, at the time, I think I was really into this game called Crystal Castles, okay. which is like a little bear, like riding around on, uh, on a unicycle. <laughs> I mean, of course. <laughs> and he's like getting all these gems. 
And um, and so I was like, oh, maybe they're going to have that game there, and then you know, and then we can get it. And it's a spoiled child. <laughs> um, and so we got there, and they actually had it was a full arcade basically, and you could buy all the games. And they had Dragon's Lair. Somehow we ended up coming home. My dad made a deal with the guy, and we ended up. Uh, coming home with the machine, you know, it was like, holy crap, I have my own Dragon's Lair. And at the time, too, that thing was like 50 cents, you know, a play. And that was, you know, unheard of. That was the first one to do that. One of my probably favorite, you know, top 10 moments of my existence was uh, <laughs> going when they actually had Disneyland. They had the Starcade. I'd just gotten this machine. I maybe had it for like two or three weeks. And I remember I could get up to like the Mud Men, but I couldn't get it to the Dragon. And uh, at the time, uh, at the Star- at Disney Starcade, they had... Um, they had the game, and then above it, you could have it was a monitor, so you could see, you know, how it was playing. Oh, and I was playing the game, and I was probably maybe ten minutes into it or something like that. And my dad said, you know, don't turn around, but you have a whole like group of people watching you. And I looked over my shoulder, and there were probably like twelve, fifteen people all standing around watching me play this game. I remember when the light, when I I died on the mud mix, like I hadn't figured out how to get past it yet. And like the the sigh of oh from like everybody, <laughs> it, was like, it was just like it was so crazy. I'd never experienced anything like that. But that was a revolution. It was an animated game. Yeah, yeah. and it was a on laserdisc, oddly enough. And it it's weird because it's the hardest game they tell you how to play within the game. They tell you how to get through the whole game. Yes, they instruct much. you pretty much how to get through the whole game. Still, one of the hardest games ever. Yeah, yeah, to this day. I mean, um, you know, you put anybody in front of it. And, and it's you know, like, what do I do? <clears throat> well, when the screen tells you what to do, you do it. But I mean, you have to be quick and you still have some dexterity, but it is right. the only game that tells you how to beat the game. But it's still one of the hardest games to play. Well, and I think, too, you just had like the, you know, all the basic graphics of like Pac-Man or, you know, remember this game came out in 1983, so. And it was an animated movie. Yeah, seeing an animated movie, you know, fully animated movie in front of you, I mean, it was just mind-blowing. You know, that was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Um, and why there wasn't, I, I mean, I get it. It's like a laser disc and it's, it's hard to program and then you have to animate it. So it's, you can't churn it out. Like you could churn out a Pac-Man at that time. It's like put right. a new skin on it and that's the game. Right. But it's crazy that there weren't a hundred versions knockoffs. Yeah. I guess, I mean, cause they were so, yeah, it was so difficult to produce. Yeah. I mean, you had to anim- hand animate, not just the scenes of going through, but then all the times that Dirk dies. Right. You know, you got to come up with something for yeah, that. Every, yeah. Every scene has a death, yes. and every scene has a progression. So you have to have that for all your scenes. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just a just a mind blowing, you know, especially back then. You having to do it all by hand, you know, it, it was just a mind blowing thing at the time, and which is why you know I think they made something like uh, within the first year, it made like thirty three million dollars, somewhere thereabouts in quarters. Probably the highest grossing Don Bluth animated movie. Probably, <laughs> that's probably true. So with that, that being said, so he made that. You have Secret and Nim. You have American Tale. You have all this stuff. Yes. He's a visionary. Like his films are very interesting. And so you start getting into the sequels of a lot of the films, which he probably had nothing to do with. So then uh, about a year ago or two, he starts a Kickstarter. He wants to make a, a Dragon's Lair movie. Yes. And he basically already has the story. He has the story literally done in a way, sort of like as of the last podcast with Orson Welles and Other Side of the Wind. Tie these together. Make them symbiotic. He does not make his money. This is a guy who has the whole thing. People love it, but he can't make his money to make his film. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's what the Kickstarter was uh, was so amazing is that, uh, you know, I think they asked for like two. Basically, what they want to do is make it like a five minute uh, presentation mm-hmm. of what they wanted to do. 
And I think they were asking for like 200 and I think it came to just shy of like 500,000. So mm -hmm. the interest is there, but basically, uh, you know, and I included pony up the money to get, you know, so we could actually get this thing and it's still out there today. And supposedly he's shopping it around, but he's now like trying to sell like a art school or something. So maybe it's not going so well, yeah. but basically like, uh, like Orson Welles, he basically was thrown into movie jail after uh, Titan AE. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a, a he basically single-handedly shut down the Fox Animation Studios <laughs> with that movie. Um, from what I understand, uh, he was like let go mm -hmm. in the middle of that, and a director. I'm going to botch his last name, but it's uh, Art Viatello, mm -hmm. I believe. Sure, did, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> he did a lot. Of, you know, he did a lot of stuff, a lot of television animation, including Tiny Toons. Uh, he took over and finished that movie, but um, he's the reason why we never really saw any more stuff like from Fox. Okay. You know, you have, now you have to go to like Blue Sky or mm -hmm. whatever to get, you know, kind of a Fox thing, but the in-house Fox animation. And so that's basically, from what I understand, that's the reason why there hasn't been a, a Dragon's Lair, you know, movie. And it's just amazing with everything too, all this, you know, all this renaissance of, you know, nostalgia of 80s and 90s being huge right now. Like it right. couldn't be any bigger. Right. And that's why it was fascinating when you, I think you sent it to me and I was like, well, this is going to make $10 million. Yeah. I mean, I also thought that the same with the Orson Welles. Like, oh, they have his completed film? Well, this'll this'll kick in. Right. And it's like, really? No no. And it's not like Don Bluth is considered, you know, it's he is considered, you know, Don Bluth, you know. But it's just like it's weird how someone isn't just picking this up either for nostalgia, because it isn't him trying to pitch the next Titan AE. Right. It's here's a property we already know, but imagine a big movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um <clears throat> and I'm not saying like Don Don Bluth should even direct the movie. Right. It should be like a, a George Lucas kind of thing where he's acting like as a consultant right. and then let, you know, Ryan Johnson or somebody, yeah. you know, make this thing. But yeah, it's amazing that you have, I mean, hell, we're getting every reboot from the 80s and 90s pretty much imaginable. And that we don't have a Dragon's Lair movie is a crime. And it's because we already sort of have one. It was obviously we would tell a different story. But yeah, like you said, unless he's a stickler, it's like, no, I need to make this. But... I'm sure if someone's like, we're going to do it, we're going to put this guy on, or we're going to put Lord Miller, who did Spider-Man. Yes. We're going to put them yes. on it. You can tell them everything you want. You can have some approval. We're going to do that. And, and I think maybe that's what it would take. It would have to take like Lord Miller, like who now has nothing but clout, right. went from clout to being fired from Star Wars, or to, from Solo, mm -hmm. to going, all right, we're going to do Spider-Man, to winning an Oscar. It's like, oh, all right, now they're the highest again. Right. It would take someone like them to just go to, you know, Fox and go, we should do this. And they would probably go, okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's... I, mean, I think Fox or, or Sony. Sony would just be like, sure, let's do it. Yeah, I'm sure that's all it would take. And, you know, maybe someday we will, you know, we will get one. You know, I don't know if it's like, if there's, you know, the political climate has something to do with it. You know, because it's like just the classic, you know, tale of like the prince going to save the princess. And that But it's maybe, still like an... I mean, if he kept dumb. it, if they kept it in that style of animation, it right. could just be a very interesting movie. And, and maybe his story pitch is terrible. I don't know. But then you put on a Lord Miller that make this movie that movie. Yeah. I mean, the characters are there. The setting is there. The dragon is there. I mean, you could almost make it a Wreck-It Ralph. Maybe someone's playing the game and there's some sort of weird interaction between that. You know, just make it. But also, too, so like Orson Welles, you would just think sometimes these things just seem... Duh, of course, I mean, of course the movie's going to be finished. Right. And then no one does it. And then and I'm even surprised, like, you know, Spielberg, unless he hates Don Bluth, like, was in bed with Don Bluth. 
Yeah. You for know, a, so it's for a lot of years. And really. it's like just not pony up just something. You know, let's just see what we got. You know, so it, it's weird how you think, like you said, it's like it, there's your heroes and you're just like, why aren't people treating them that way? You know, it's like, how is this not already happening? You're or we have everything laid out for us. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes there are just properties out there that, you know, for whatever reason, don't get picked up or don't get, you know, don't get made. And a lot of times it's probably simply that, that there just isn't that one person with the clout to go, hey, you know, we should do something with this. Um, like you'd be the part, like, I'm surprised there aren't more people that like you that had that Dragon's Lair experience. There wasn't someone that played the game to the point where they beat it. They work at the studio now, have a little cut going, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. I mean, there's got to be someone that has that, especially like you said, everything in the 80s right now. And someone's like, why don't we just do that? Even like, it, why isn't it a Netflix animated series? Why isn't it like an eight-part animated series like they did um, that other one, the, like a Del Toro one? Like yeah. There's a, why isn't it that? Like what? Yeah, or even uh, what was that uh, Netflix series that you kind of picked the way it would go? Uh, what was that? It came out like a couple years ago. Oh, that was that uh, Black Mirror episode where you could choose. Yes. The, yeah. Why not do that with this where you're in control of like what Dirk does and you pick what story you want to see next. Like, oh, I want to make Dirk go this, you know. So, yeah, you can make a one-off. Here's an hour and a half movie, but you choose where you go. Yeah. And there's 25 endings. Yeah, especially too with like Game of Thrones being so big, it's just kind of mind blowing to me that you know that this isn't a this isn't a thing. And Maybe get it, it now t- before Don Bluth dies and we lose all his notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, tragic, tragic. All right, well, so that's been animation right now. There will be another part to this when we uh, venture into the Lion King. Oh yeah, and I think too you could have a whole thing just on like the Disney Afternoon by itself. Right, which know. I do want to dive into because that alone is was game changing. I yeah. mean, for the most part, because. It was all about Warner Brothers, it seemed like, with that. And then Disney came in and went, we're going to do this. And it's yeah. like, and of course, made it great. Yeah, no, that's a whole that's a whole subject for me. I mean, I can other. still buy that stuff at Disneyland. That's yes. how powerful the Disney afternoon was. Yes, to this day. And it looks like we're going to start getting more, you know. Um, looks like that Rescue Ranger movie is probably going to happen. Yeah. You know, we got uh, DuckTales reboot. So, you know, it's all, all coming full circle. The great circle of animation. Uh, from Disney. <laughs> All right, everyone, go play, go play uh, Dragon's Lair. Go find it if yeah. you can, or see it online, or play Space Ace, the other one he did. Go watch, go watch Secret of Nim. Damn it, it's a great film. Yeah, yeah. Any of the early, any of the early blue stuff is you know, definitely worth checking out, and I think you can catch just about all of them on Netflix. Yeah. Um, if not, go buy the blood red edition of uh, Secret of Nim on Laserdisc. Yes. <laughs> yeah, everyone should have their own blood red edition. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, this has been Post-Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is Jason. Take it easy.